Hello, friends, and welcome to your midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. And friends, of course, the madness continues. Ipswich Town fought back from 2-0 down inside 15 minutes at home to Premier League Wolves to put a muzzle on them bad boys, beat them 3-2 and go through to the next round. Now then, Mark Heath, joined today by Stuart Watson, the youthful pistols, Watto, are both away today. See what I've done there? So you've got the grizzled old veterans, the Heath and Watson connection. And Stewie, as an old man, obviously you're, you're, you're uh, more vulnerable to germs and you're fighting the good fight at the moment. Yeah, I'm a bit <clears throat> bit bunged up today. So if I'm not bringing the same sort of energy to, that is deserving of this current run, I do apologise, but um, I'll, I'll fight on. Yeah. You know what that is, don't you, mate? It's, it's your late night on Friday night when you fell asleep on that train, full of, full of germs, that train. Um, obviously, before we get into the football, the uh, the cr- crazy stuff that's going on on the on the pitch at Portman Road, I'm sure the KIA Army community worldwide would want me to ask you if uh, you have felt the wrath yet of Mrs. Watson as she's still mm. storing up that bad boy. No, it's um, oh, it's, it's yeah, ominous, dis- disconcertingly okay at the moment. Um, I'm <laughs> sure she's keeping it up her up her sleeve for a f- that's that's a, almost worse, isn't it? I'd rather have oh, just just faced it and dealt exactly, with it. But, um, exactly. No, still nothing. Still nothing at the moment. You know that's coming up in the next argument you have, mate. Have you uh, have you tried to mitigate it with a big bunch of flowers or chocolates or cooking dinner, something like that? <clears throat> no, the flowers. Despite have, having been a florist for a long time, she's not massively into having flowers at home. I guess it's uh, that's the same with all industries, isn't it? Busman's holiday and all that, but. Um, I've tried to smooth the water the best I can. I, I might have got away with it, but you never do, do you? You never, no, absolutely, you don't, mate. And you'll find, as I say, you find out about it. First argument you have, you know it's coming up. So you better have a, something else to go back with on that front. Or just hold your hands up, I always find is a good option as well. Anyway, <laughs> enough of this domestic quarrel. Should we talk about football, Stewie? Um, Ipswich Town, and it gets madder every single time we we meet in this virtual room to talk about it. The bloody one again. Um, this time, in spectacular fashion, again, they came down from 2-0 at home to win 3-2. But this time, it was against a Wolves side who a Premier League outfit, Stewie, with millions of pounds worth of player on the pitch. And they were 2-0 down early on. Um, we're going to hear from Kieran McKenna about it. But first of all, I want to hear from you about it. How can we? How can you put into words this, this crazy journey, uh, this run that Town are on? You can't, really. Um, and I know... I did get one tweet saying, well, that's your job. Give it a try and we'll, we'll do our best. But um, we've, we've been talking recently about how far they've come and, and sort of looking back at moments towards the end of the Mick McCarthy era where the stadium was half full and there were some turgid nil-nil draws. But let's not forget, we only need to go back sort of 18 months just prior to Kieran McKenna for some pretty low reference points mm. with the... Um, toxic away end at Charlton and the Barrow Cup defeat. It's not that long ago. If you'd have been speaking then, even back as recently as as February, that 0-0 draw at Bristol Rovers on Valentine's Day, where it looked like, if you had to say to people, were they more likely to finish outside the top six or inside the top two? It was looking like the former, realistically, at that stage. If you'd have said that they will now go on and win, what is it now, 20... I don't know, mate. I've lost track. A, yeah, <laughs> so many stats. Twenty something of the next twenty 
six games. I yeah. should have that stat to hand, but you know now it's it's ridiculous. It's they're not just not losing games; they're winning most of them as well. Um, yeah, it's it's a madness, and you keep thinking you wake up from it at some stage, and it just keeps on going. Now, now a Premier League scalp just to to add to it all. Yeah, and I guess that on top of everything else, last night we know that Town have got that resilience in in the in the league eleven, the kind of first team, if you like. But for for a second team, a bunch of, of fringe players, really, um, apart from Hadley, obviously, we'll talk about in a minute, to turn that around. And yes, Wolves made a lot of changes as well. But even so, it just shows that kind of culture of never lying down, never saying die, always being up for the fight. It runs right through the club, doesn't it? It does, yeah. That was that was the most impressive part of all of this, that it was, inverted commas, the reserve team, the second team. Um didn't want to put too much of an emphasis on on that word uh, when mm. talking about the game last night because it feels a bit disrespectful to yeah. what you know the the squad culture that has been cultivated very carefully from Kieran McKenna. We keep talking about how he's managed to make people feel involved, even if they're not starting regularly, and it has been pretty much by and large the same starting eleven during this run. So for people to be able to come in for these cup games so seamlessly on mass and just replicate the exact same principles mm. technically tactic tactically um mentally the resilience all the good stuff that we've been seeing week week in week out they just pick up where it's left off and that i think speaks volumes of of what Kieran McKenna and his coaching staff are doing at the training ground day in day out to to um for them to be able to kind of just replicate that that performance and result Mm, right then, let's hear from Kieran McKenna then. So this is you talking to Kieran last night about the win. Since you on Saturday, this squad of players doesn't know when they're, hmm. they're beaten. Um, it's happened again tonight, another comeback win, another goal fest at Portman Road. What did you make of it? Yeah, great game. Um, so much to be proud of uh, in the performance and in the character and the quality that we showed in the game, really. Um, of course, difficult start to the game. I don't think we, we started particularly badly, but the first mistake we made, the first time they had an attack, we made a little mistake and we got punished, and that's the quality of the opponent. It can happen. Um, and then a, a really good set piece from them, and of course that's one area that you can suffer a little bit from when you make a lot of changes to the team is, is your set pieces, and we got punished on a, on a set play, and we find ourselves in a difficult position, 2-0 um, down to... Yeah, Premier League opposition with a really high level of player. So it really tested us again as a group, um, tested our bravery to keep playing, to stay brave with the ball, to keep trying to play through the opposition, tested our bravery off the ball and conceded two goals to you know keep jumping, trying to press out the pitch, defend big spaces, defend 1v1s. And um, yeah, a great show of character from the group because we've you know been through similar situations with... You know the players have been playing more so in the league, but tonight for you know other players to come in the team, not having that match rhythm and that confidence of having been you know through all of those experiences on the pitch to then for them to show the same attributes, that's a, a great reflection of the group. In the group. Okay, there's Kieran talking about last night. Should we get the um, obviously there's loads of positive stuff to talk about, Stewie, uh, and we'll go on to that in due course. But should we get the kind of um, negative but kind of question mark stuff out of the way first? So first of all, the team I was interested. We were expecting um, pretty much a full change, but Hladke started in goal. What did you what did you make of that? Because Kieran Slicker has obviously started the the previous games in this competition. Yeah, that was the big talking point when the team sheet came out. Um, mm. When I said I think it would be 
10 slash 11 changes. The one I thought might be in was Sam Morsi, given that he's um, suspended for the weekend. Mm. And McKenna's shown that he's, he's quite happy to play Morsi in cup games before. He's the sort of player that wants to play every minute. Um, but it was it was Vaz who kept his place in goal, which obviously led to a discussion point about, <clears throat> excuse me, why that might be. Um, various theories. Did it, you know... Is it because Christian Walton's back on the grass and nearing in on a return? And that's that's with half an eye on that. Was it just he wanted a more senior goalkeeper against a higher level of opposition? Obviously, Kieran Slicker had played in the previous two cup games against Bristol Rovers and, and Reading League One sides. Maybe he just felt that um, a much-changed team needed a more experienced, match-ready goalkeeper behind them. Or, or maybe he just felt that... the the Blackburn game on Saturday, Vaz had a couple of um, slightly off moments with the ball at his feet. We've been uh, talking up how good he is in possession mm. and, and how he brings something difficult to the different to the team. Um, gave it away a couple of times against Blackburn. Was that an opportunity a few days later just to, to get that out of his system a little bit? Um, if that was the case, it didn't happen because there was, again, a couple of slightly nervy moments that, that he ultimately got away with. But... Um, for me, I think it's the, the first of those points. I wouldn't read too much into it. I think it's probably just a case of wanting a, a more senior goalkeeper for, for the nature of the game. OK, and before we get to the glorious comeback and, and lots of excited chat around that, Stewie, they went 2-0 down inside 15 minutes and they were punished, uh, particularly for the first goal. For uh, It seems harsh to even call it a mistake uh, from Don Ball. It's just an unfortunate... Uh, he obviously goes to clear the ball, it ends up at Wolves' players' feet, and then suddenly... Um, your lad's in and he scores. It's the sort of thing that is a reminder of, of what kind of quality players have got at this level. Uh, and then obviously after that, they go 2-0 down. And, and it's hard not to think at that point, as good as Town have been, that 2-0 down at home against the Premier League side with a second string 11 playing, that maybe finally is not going to be Town's night. Yeah, you're right. That first goal, I think, was more a case of you know what Premier League opposition mm. can do to you. Um, yeah, Dominic Ball. It's a it's a stretching interception. Um, couldn't do a lot to kind of direct it anywhere that he particularly wanted. It happened to land at a Wolves player's feet. Quick pass, nice finish. Maybe Vaz could get a bit more on it. Maybe I'm being a bit picky there. I don't know, but that's one nil after four minutes. Set piece goal, and I thought Wolves looked really dangerous from set pieces all night. Actually. Um, McKenna said that is something that sometimes happens when you change a lot of players. I, I guess they've not been kind of bedded into the, the set piece um, training yeah. um, up at Playford Road during during the week as much as the, the starting 11. I don't know, but they, they lost their man for the, the initial header. Um, didn't react well enough to the rebound. 2-0, 15 minutes. And you're right, I think probably even the most optimistic of Ipswich Town fans within that stadium were thinking, OK, we can't win them all. Might be a slightly long night here, but um, yeah. oh well, you know, didn't need the cup as a distraction anyway. <laughs> and we're, we're probably yeah. coming to terms with that. But um, Ipswich had other ideas. Yeah, and I think even Marcus Harness, AJ spoke to him after the game, and even he admitted it was a, there was a feeling of actually maybe this is going to be a bit of a long night. But then, of course, he's he's key to the revival because he ends up with a hat trick of assists. Um, and not only do they they strike back, they get a goal back, they, they get level by half time, which feels really important to me and that first that first pass from harness to amari hutchinson was a beauty wasn't it was a beauty yeah and i felt like that goal was coming actually because 
we've said this so many times. They they conceded the, those flurry of goals against Leeds and didn't panic and played their way back into the game. 2-0 get down against Cardiff, obviously came back to win that one. Um, so many of these little reference points, muscle memories that they can call upon now for being in a bit of a hole within a game and knowing that they can come back. Obviously, this is a different group of players, but even this group of players conceded a late goal against Reading went to a penalty shootout. Um, okay, it's a lottery, but they still managed to dust themselves and and win that one. Um, and yeah, I thought that they reacted really well to that second goal. They just stick to their principles. They believe in what they do. They don't suddenly panic and start trying to do something different. They just keep going at what, what they're trying to do. And I think they were, they were given that sort of freedom from Kieran McKenna to say, whatever happens tonight, whatever the scoreline is, Let's just see how we match up playing the way we want to play against a, a higher level team. And, and they did that and they um, they got their rewards. The goal was coming. Brilliant pass from Harness, as you say. Nice finish inside the near post from from Hutchinson. And from that point on, Wolves, Wolves really looked shaken by that. They were the complete opposite of Ipswich. They were rocked and they were rattled by that goal. And uh, Ipswich got well on top. Mm. You know what, what I'm minded of with this team? Like the Vikings, you know, the Vikings that that ethos was dying a good death, dying with your sword in your hand. Reputation is all that kind of stuff. Feels like that's what town are. Yeah, we're two nil down, but we're going to go down swinging. We're going to go down fighting, and now uh, you're going to really have to finish us off. And if you do, fair play to you. But we're going to die a good death, and that's that's what it feels like. Obviously, the Vikings were never called Vikings; they were the Northmen or the Danes or the Pagans. But I'm calling them the Vikings because it sounds more exciting, and there's a great series on the TV about them. So, uh, <laughs> slight digression there, Stewie. 2-1. Like Are we two not allowed one. to say Vikings anymore? Is that, no, no, is no, that culturally I mean, inappropriate? I don't I'm know. Gonna, no, no, it's not culturally inappropriate. Oh. It's just that Vikings back in the day, they were never called Vikings. Okay. So, we call them Vikings, but they were never called Vikings back in the day. As I say, they were the Northmen or the Danes or the Pagans. Um, school is in, kids. Uh, but, yeah, that's what that's the ethos like of that. I'm, I'm massively into that kind of era. Um, it reminds me of this town side. As I say, dying a good death, dying with your sword in your hand. Um, You'd be good for that latest trend that's going around on TikTok about um, oh God, what's that? partners asking their, their husband slash boyfriend, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? <laughs> apparently apparently lots, of, lots of men just reply, yeah, all the time, actually. Yeah, well, I mean, I do think about the Roman Empire quite a lot, Stu, because I'm, I'm massively into the, the history side of things. But I, I'd imagine that the vast majority of men who think about the Roman Empire are largely imagining themselves in Gladiator. And don't really know a lot about the Roman Empire. Um, fascinating period of time. But we're not here for a, a history podcast, you. Although we are looking back at history. Obviously, Town, having gone 2-1 behind, then, then got back to all. And it's that man, Freddie Ladapo, Stewie. Again, assist from Harness. Nice sharp pass into, into Freddie's feet. Clearly, the keeper could have done better. But you can't keep Freddie Ladapo down either, can you? Four goals for the season now. No, originates from a throw-in. Caden Jackson... <clears throat> Straight to the feet of Marcus Harness. That was a better pass than I probably first um, realised at the time. Little little ball round the corner to Harn uh, to Ladapo. Um, touch, turn, finish. Goalkeeper gets should get more behind it. Daniel Bentley, I think he'll be disappointed with that one. But um, yeah, you can't knock Freddie's goal tally, can you? I think uh, given sort of his lack of starts from from January onwards, um, his goals per minute ratio is is very good and. Um, yeah, he'll be pleased with that, especially as Dane Scarlett is obviously now in the building, was cup tied mm. last night for that game. So um, I think all of those players out there last night will have been fired up to get through because it's it's going to give them some more games 
or at least another game going forwards. So, mm. um, yeah, 2-2, half-time, Ipswich, uh, yeah, I thought deserved to play their way back into the game. And now, obviously, we have to talk about the winner, Stu. What, how, what can we call this? Because just saying it was a cracking goal doesn't seem enough. There was a, there was a violence, a velocity to it, which was especially aesthetically pleasing. Um, it wasn't, again, forgive me, you'll know better than I. I don't think it quite fits the, the, the technical term of a thunder bastard, does it? Because does a thunder bastard need to hit the bar or what? I mean, how would you describe it? I saw mm. someone describing it as a thronker, a thronker on Twitter, which I quite like. Yeah. <clears throat> All of those things, call it what you yeah. like. Wonder strike, um, yeah, it's di- it's dipping, isn't it? So I don't. Does that does a does a thunderbolt need to almost kind of be rising into the net? with still with with pace on it. I mean, it was quite remarkable. It's a dipping shot, but mm. it still looked like it was accelerating as it found the net, and that takes some doing, doesn't it? Um, it wasn't banging the top corner by any means, but the goalkeeper was just beaten by the sheer violence and pace yeah. of the ball, as you say. Yeah. Um, when he arrived, Jack Taylor was not shy in saying that I've got 10 goals. I've got double digits last season for Peterborough. And I think I can do that again. I've, you know, I do fancy goals. And he's, he's someone that I think has played most of his football further forward as more of a 10. I think he probably sees that as his better position. But he's been brought to Ipswich to play more as a as an eight, more as that sort of box-to-box man in the in the two slightly deeper midfield roles. Um couple of times that showed last night where he's trying to do a few twists and turns in on the edge of his own box and you're thinking maybe not there Jack but um he gives team something very different going forwards and certainly a goal threat is that and yeah. uh we're getting quite the collection of of uh goal of the season goal of the month contenders rolling in at the moment aren't we Absolutely. And, and Marcus Harness said after the game that that's something that he does all the time in training. They know that's that's something he's got in his locker. Absolutely wonderful hit. Peek behind the curtain time, Stu. I know when you see sensational goals at Portman Road, we talked before about uh, Selena's outrageous chip. And indeed, I think Andy admitted that he kind of said out loud when that happened, that is outrageous. So when that absolute thunderbolt went in last night, did, A, did you see it? Or were you, did you, were you sort of type in away? And B, what was the reaction? Was there a reaction? Because it's very against etiquette to show any kind of partisanship in the press box, isn't it? Um, what, yeah. What was, what was the I scene? think I've said before uh, last season, there's a couple of times I did the Thierry Henry hand on Andy's thigh yeah. like, uh, with Jamie Carragher. Um, yeah. Sort of shocked reaction. Um, I didn't see it, Mark. I didn't see oh, it no. live. No, it was when, when the goals are coming thick and fast like this. Um you do sometimes have your head down typing and uh, trying to sort of look up various things. And um, I didn't see it fly in live. So um, thankfully now uh, in the world of social media and, and people finding ways to, to watch games, you can, you yeah. can get hold of a replay somehow. Um, yeah. And I, I saw it soon enough. Did AJ, did AJ see it live? Did he react? He strikes me as a bit of a jumper. In the press box, uh, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's more animated than Andy when goals yeah. go in. That's yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he gives it a little, a little fist bump under the desk. He's uh, he's living this. He's enjoying this at the moment. Is Alex? I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, he's coming at the perfect time, and he's uh, he's all in. I think. Well, he's young. He, he's in the prime of his flush of his youth. He's, he's come to a side that are the side from Manchester City, probably the hottest side in the country. Yeah. Um, so it must be very exciting for him. I, I suppose we, we have to finish, Stu, in terms of looking back at the game. Into, uh, that Wolves probably should have had an equaliser. 
it was a very very borderline call yeah only the, saw uh, that back this morning um yeah. and that looked very tight at the time the flag went up quite quickly i think the flag was up before the ball was kind of put in the net um and uh, yeah, looking looking back at it, they might have been hard done by there. And as I say, that was the kind of the dead balls and the set pieces that Ipswich looked uh, a bit more vulnerable to. But in truth, that was probably the only way I could see Wolves scoring. They they chucked on some of their big guns um, in an attempt to get back into the game. Um, people like Silver and, and Cunha that were probably, I think, about £80 million worth of signings between the two of them came on for the last 20, 30 minutes. Um, I mean, don't underestimate. I know Wolves made 10 changes as well, mm. but don't underestimate that that is still a good side that they put out last yeah. night. I think they're two wide men. Um, Wang, the goal scorer, he had 50-odd caps for South Korea. Sarabia, as we said in, in the preview pod, has got 27 caps for Spain, I think it is. Um, Doherty's a player that's played for Atletico Madrid. A uh, very experienced player, ex Tottenham, of course. You could go through that that team. Um, as as Gary O'Neill, their manager, said afterwards, we had enough on that pitch to win the game, and they wanted to win that game. They went into it under pressure. As I said, they really needed that more than Ipswich did last night, and maybe that contributed to the nerves once a goal went back in because they've made a slow start to the season. They're in a bit of a transitional period uh, after Lopetegui left in the summer. Um, they wanted that. They needed that, and. Mm. Uh, Ipswich took it from them. Yeah, incredible stuff. Right then, let's hear from the hat-trick assist hero, Marcus Harness, who spoke to Alex after the game. Marcus, this team doesn't really know when to quit, does it? Two down, three-two win, opponents of Premier League sides, a special night. Yeah, it's a special group, a special team, special club. Um, and we're just trying to enjoy it while it lasts. Hopefully it lasts a long time. Um, so yeah, we're all buzzing with the the response and it, it's happened in the league as well we've gone behind and uh, we always back ourselves to to cause teams problems and obviously working with the, the manager and the staff here they've always got a solution for us uh, on the pitch so yeah it's a, another good comeback um, and we're really happy with it yeah three goals and three assists for you as well that must be quite a nice moment yeah it's it's been a long time coming. I haven't chipped in as much as I'd liked over the, the season that I've been here. But, um, yeah, it's it's something that if you just keep doing the right things, it will it will come. And um, I'll enjoy it tonight and just try and build on it, really. There's some amazing goals by the boys. They've helped me out with it. <laughs> Tails has helped me out. I've passed it to him on the edge of the box and he's done the rest. So, um, yeah, we're all, we're all happy. Um, just move on to on to Saturday really and try and support the the lads that will be playing in that game. I love that bit Stu because right at the end he says we're going to move on to Saturday and support the lads who are going to be playing in the game. So he knows and he see he references quite a few times there's an interview that's gone out on our website that um he knows that he's not likely to be playing in the league at least not at the moment. And yet he, he references a lot that like the kind of feeling in the camp is almost that it doesn't matter. Which is really unusual because obviously Marcus Harness, professional athlete, very good player in his own right, and yet he's kind of accepted that role for for the kind of good of the team, and that is not an easy culture to build by any means, especially as you go further up the football ladder and you've got bigger and bigger egos and more and more money involved. Mm. Remarkable. Yeah, it really is. If anyone, 
had cause to have a bit of a, a sulk on at the moment. It would be Marcus mm. Harness. For, he was a regular starter in the first half of last season. Obviously, Nathan Broadhead comes in, but he was coming off the bench in, in most games and featured in virtually every game last season. And then all of a sudden, a few more players come in and he's found himself in a situation where he's not even making the bench, <clears throat> a nine-man bench um, of late. I don't care who you are. Like you say, that's your job. Mm. Take the money out of it. That is what you love to do. That's what you prepare to do all week. That's really hard to um, to keep a sort of a bright, positive demeanour about you and contribute. And that's whatever Kieran McKenna and, and his staff are doing. Um, it's quite remarkable that, that he's making them all feel like you're contributing to these wins. Because they do. Mm. If, if your training standards aren't high, they train the way they want to play. We've talked a lot about the, the levels of intensity and the running and the fitness that they knew they were going to need to step up this year, referencing Burnley, etc. That comes from what you do Monday to Friday, building up to a, a game. And they train the way they want to play. And, and you need the players that are not playing to, to keep those levels high. And I'm sure Marcus Harness is, is one of those players. And um, yeah, they, they all showed they were ready to, to step in last night. And I'm sure several of them will get their chance as the season goes on because the games keep coming thick and fast. There will be injuries. There will be more suspensions. And it's just, it's nice to know that with this kind of winter slog coming, mm. that you, you'd feel really confident and happy with it, with anyone kind of stepping in. Mm. Um, in terms of harness, he obviously impressed last night and he impressed someone who was watching. So we talked about the, uh, the national attention narrative, eyes focus coming to more towards Ipswich Town. Certain Henry Winter was there last night. Um, I'm assuming he was cravatted up. Um, probably sitting near you, I'd imagine. Wrote all about town for the Times. Obviously, the, the chief football writer for the Times. Probably one of the most high-profile football writers there is. Uh, certainly in the UK, if not the world. Um, and he was there, essentially, to have a look at what Kieran McKenna's doing. And he refers to Kieran McKenna as the man of the moment. But he also mentions in his report, George Edmondson, he calls a tower of strength at the back. Marcus Harness, hat-trick of assists. Or Amari Hutchinson, leading Wolves, a merry dance. Um, so against you, it's, it's this kind of concept of, of the, the, the bigger pundits, I guess, training their eye on Ipswich Town, team of the moment. And also, would you agree with Henry there in terms of the, the players who are impressed? We talked about Marcus Harness. Um, Edmondson sounds like he was he was very good last night as well. Yeah, the last time I saw Henry Winter, um, he might have been to some other Ipswich games since, yeah. but the last time I remember seeing him, in fact, I sat next to him, was that night at Lincoln when Ooh. Ipswich went out of the cup Ouch. on live on, on the BBC. <laughs> so isn't it nice that um, Ipswich are drawing in the mm. the uh, the national media big guns for the right reasons now rather than the wrong ones? Um, would I agree with, with Henry about the players that he's picked out? Yes, George Edmondson, I think, deserves a lot of praise from last night because he's come in for a little bit of questioning of late. Obviously gave away the or he made the error that led to the Reading equaliser in the previous round for a little while. We've been saying he's not looked like the player that Ipswich first signed for a little while, certainly post-injury. Um, is he suited to playing on the left side of, of, a, of a two in, in the defence? He's probably one of the only players that hasn't kicked on and improved under Kieran McKenna. Well, he looked like he had his mojo back last night. Mm. Um, he had one moment where... Ipswich had played themselves into a bit of trouble. He had it tight to the 
to the touchline, surrounded by players, showed a really good bit of strength to get out of there and pick a pass, and Ipswich got away. Uh, and then right at the end, <clears throat> final minute, right at the start of stoppage time, a crunching tackle. He flew across and absolutely nailed Fabio Silva, who was uh, who was who was quite late himself and was booked. But uh, I think he hurt himself in that. But he, I like that he jumped up. He didn't want to show it. Um, he, he got straight to his feet, and that got one of the biggest roars of the night beyond the goal, actually. So. Um, pleased, pleased for George. Um, Elkan Bagger, I think, deserves a mention as well along, alongside him. Mm. Um, he continues to impress that young man. Um, he obviously played that left side of, of the two last night, and I think that, that helped Edmondson being a bit more balanced, those those two in defence. But you could, you could go through that whole team. Amari Hutchinson certainly uh, continues to impress um, on and off the ball. Um, Brandon Williams, I thought again was was excellent at left back. Um, so, yeah, I think Lee Evans as well mentioned mentioned him. Um, did did well in midfield in a in an understated way that he always does in terms of keeping the ball and, and possession. So, um, yeah, I mean to get a result like that, everyone has to contribute, and they did. Hmm. I just want to touch a little bit on something we've talked a lot about, but I thought it was it was uh, apt to talk about it now. We've- Ever since Kieran McKenna's come in, he's talked a lot about particular words have, have come up like keywords, and resilience is one of them. We want to build resilience into the side. And we know through long and bitter experience, Stu, that previously, whenever town found themselves in a bit of hot water, they crumbled like a, a rich tea biscuit. But this side is different. And I thought, I'll just have a look at the, the definition of resilience, Stu. Definition of resilience, the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties, toughness. Um, I just want to reflect a little bit on this because we've talked, McKenna has changed so much about Ipswich Town, all of the narratives, the old narratives, they can't win on Sky, they're terrible after international breaks, they fall apart under pressure, they don't don't win the big games, all of that stuff, he's completely turned on his head. But it feels like this one word resilience is something that he's really keyed on. I've got no idea how you go about building it, but he's definitely done it. Yeah, I think it becomes self-perpetuating. Once you've yeah. done something once or twice, I always kind of refer back to, of course, he's a Manchester United man himself. And I think he's really smart in terms of knowing what buttons to press. And sometimes mm. they can just be really simple buttons. But it, knowing that you can remind players, like he reminded the players of the Burnley game, there's reference points that he calls upon to remind people, you've done that before, so you can do that again. You, mm. you know, you Burnley were a league higher than us and we made a load of changes and we look what we did back in January. So it's just quite good at pulling out little little markers. Um, and if you've now these kind of comebacks from 2-0 down uh, last night, Cardiff, Sheffield Wednesday earlier in the year where they came from 2-0 down all at Portman Road, um, the more you do it, the more you just believe it's going to happen again. It's an to, to go back to the start of that point, Manchester United, Fergie time. Mm. How many times did it feel like they'd always score last-minute goals in stoppage time because it becomes self-perpetuating after a while and it becomes sort of ingrained in you. The more it happens, the more you believe it's going to happen, the more the opposition fear it's going to happen. And that's that's how it's been. Um, so, yes, some they've built up quite a nice little bank of uh, things that they can call upon. Yeah. In some ways, you know, you don't want them to make a habit of conceding these goals. You don't want them to make a habit of going behind. But they were winning games so comfortably and 
2-0 quite often last season, it's quite nice to know that they can get into these positions and, and get themselves out of them as well. But it goes the other way as well, doesn't it, when we talk about resilience? Because not only do they are they able to fight back when they're when they're behind and they don't you never really feel like they're beaten or they're gonna quit. It also goes obviously we saw them completely capitulate at Charlton. Um and that started a really that really wobbly run where mm. you were never really sure that they'd won a game until the, the whistle had gone. But even that's changed, it feels like to me, Stu, because more often than not, when they're ahead, they're managing to see games out mm. without kind of any major drama. And that's resilience in, in its own right. That's been probably the biggest leap forwards mm. of the last few months, certainly from that Charlton game, is the game management. They had the goal threat almost from day one, from going to, to Gillingham and scoring four goals and looking at the swashbuckling there. They've you've managed to get that side of things kind of embedded and stamped, stamped in quite early on, but it was then getting the balance of some of the the game management and the, the clever parts of it and seeing it out. And that's the stuff that has, has really impressed me most probably this season. I knew they could score goals. I knew they mm. could create chances. But can they do the the clever stuff in the last 10 minutes of games to see it out? And it's not just been digging in, big challenges, all of that sort of stuff, backs to the wall. They can do that. But you can't do that for, for 10, 15, 20 minutes against high-level opposition. Um but they now now need to do the clever stuff, win, draw some fouls, run down the clock, just take the sting out of the game. They're very good at dialing up the tempo and dialing down the tempo. They can start fast. Mm. They can make it a speed of game that they want. As soon as the ball goes out of throw, take the throw in within two seconds, swamp, swamp the opposition, play fast. But in when, when they need to, they're quite good at slowing it down as well. And um making it their sort of game. So that's that's the stuff that I've probably been most impressed with over the, you know, at the start of this season. Mm, loads to be impressed with, of course. Uh, all of which brings us to the end of the game. Is there anything else you want to mention? Because we have to talk, of course, about the draw tonight and who we might fancy. Any other notes from the game before we get to that? Um, we mentioned at the start about sort of Plagkies, uh giving the ball away a couple of times, playing out mm. from the back, but it is risk versus reward. And you only have to look at the goal the winning goal that that is again starts from the goalkeeper. I think I looked looked at it back this morning. I think eight of the outfield, eight of the team, eight of the eleven players touched the ball in the build up to that. Twenty odd passes leading up to it. So maybe we've just got to kind of suck up those little nervy moments. There will probably it will lead to the odd goal or two at times. I'm sure. Um, but if if the flip side of that is that you know they can play through the thirds and score that sort of goal, then uh, we'll probably just have to accept that. Well, that's the entertainment as well, isn't it, Stu? It's hard to argue that you're not being entertained every single time you go to Portman Road, or indeed every time <coughs> you watch Ipswich Town play at the moment. 20, 24 goals in the last four games. That's mad, isn't Ipswich. it? It's fantastic. And again, we have to reflect. We've talked so many times about how many things have changed. In the past, we were getting crowds, what, of eight, 9,000 midweek for a league game? What was it? 20,000 last night for a cup, a cup game. Not even an FA Cup game, a Carabao Cup game. Just again, just a sign of how far they've come. Yeah, really is. I mean, Wolves aren't, let's be honest, they're not the draw of a no. one of the big six clubs or anything like that. So you're not, I don't think you'd have been selling loads of extra seats off the back of that. Doesn't include the 21,000 season ticket holders last night. I don't think there was any major ticket promotion for the game. 20,000 for a midweek game when there's a, you know, there's a couple of more home games coming up mm. soon as well. Um Money is tight for everybody. That tells you what, what a draw Ipswich Town are right now. 
Absolutely. Right then, it's the draw tonight. Draw a different current stew. Fourth round draw live on Sky Sports around 10.10pm, 10, 10 I believe, after the Newcastle-Man City game. So obviously the question is, who do we want? And let's hear from Kieran McKenna on that very subject. It's the last 16, I think, maximum of nine Premier League clubs will be in that round looking at it. Manchester United, a certain Manchester United are through as well. What can you do in this competition, do you think? <laughs> um... Let's see. Of course, it's game by game. Let's see what the draw brings. There's some massive teams and, and clubs in there, so we, we certainly can't get carried away with ourselves. There's things to improve, certainly from tonight's performance. Um, but as much as is realistically possible, we're going to try and stay aggressive and, and brave with our identity, whoever we face. So, um, yeah, don't hold me to that if we pull um, you know, the blue side of Manchester out of there. <laughs> Out of the draw, but yeah, we, we want to have these big challenges and these big tests and, and challenge ourselves. So um, let's see what the draw brings. Okay, then, Stu. So the, the vast majority of games really with the big boys are tonight, aren't they? Man United are already through um, from last night and the likes of Burnley. Also the likes of Exeter and Mansfield and Port Vale, the kind of less glamorous but very winnable potential sides, Stu. What do we want then? Do we want, do we want something like a Port Vale at home? Or do we want... We want a big. Do we want to be? Let's be honest. We want to be going to Anfield, don't we, or the Etihad, somewhere like that, or even Everton. If your boys get through tonight, yeah, you can look at it two ways, can't you? Give them the best possible chance of, of going yeah. deep into the competition. This is the last sixteen now. Win this next one, and you're in the quarterfinals. Mm. Um, and then who knows? Um, for me, probably like a home game, um, yeah. both um, selfishly for the lack of travel, but I think also for the team as well. There's a lot of time on the road. The games are coming thick and fast. I think that that helps not having a long one. I hear Exeter and I shudder. We've done, I don't really want to give <laughs> oh, no. a, a oh, hat trick no. of, of away games in the cup down at yeah. Exeter. I know there's Please a lot don't. of Southwest based Ipswich fans, but um, yeah, again, from a selfish point of view, that's, that's a long way to go. Yeah. Um, it's just a correct my question there, it's t- a maximum of 10 Premier League clubs. I um, I forgot Burnley had are now a, a Premier League club when I was totting that up just before Kieran spoke last night. But yeah, 10, 10 out of 16 clubs will be, you know, maximum of 10, maybe fewer, seeing how tonight's results go. Um, there's always somebody from the Championship that goes quite deep in, in this competition. And there's every reason to believe it could be Ipswich this year. Exactly that. And Marcus Harness again said something similar last night. He said, just want an exciting draw and I'd back us against pretty much anyone. And he, I think you would though, wouldn't you, Stu? I mean, I guess the likes of Man City aside, they'd be favourites. But um, somewhat, especially coming to Portman Road, that's going to be a tough game for anyone, the way that Town are playing, even if it is the, the fringier players. I just quite like... I- I can see the argument of, of having a game that's winnable, but I, mm. I'd like to see them tested against the, the very, very best, you know, whether it's a Manchester City or an Arsenal, um, somebody like that, just to see how this kind of brand of football um, matches up against it. I think that would be, um, I think that would that would do a lot for the, the, the squad, even, even if they'd lost that game, which every chance they, they were, if they could take some positives from that, I think that could breathe some life into the promotion push and um, they're not going to win it realistically. So Mm. you may as well run into one of those, those big teams sooner rather than later. Um, Not have too many games on the schedule. I I don't know. I like 
they've got the they've got the squad depth. Um, they've got this winning winning momentum. So yeah, long long may it continue. I'm not wishing this this cup journey to end anytime soon, but uh, I think my preference would would be one of one of the big boys um, next. Mm. Please God, not Exeter away. That's the one we don't want. Which inevitably means it might be the one we do get tonight. Anyway, follow that draw. Um, Stuart obviously be following it later. Uh, Something like Brighton could be quite interesting. That would be, I, I think, think they're quite yeah. similar in style to exactly. Dukes, which I think, um, you know, I think McKenna takes a lot from from Deserby and, and the way he's got Brighton set up. That would be fascinating to see kind of how those two matched up, how far off they are. Someone like a, a Brighton at this moment in time, they've obviously got to get past Chelsea. Tonight for that to happen, Norwich are playing Fulham tonight. That, I mean, that could be. We've been. We keep saying, "Oh, it's it's a shame we got to wait so long for the yeah. derby." Um, that would be great, wouldn't it? It'd be fun, um, definitely. Yeah, but yeah, ga- game games end of this month, aren't they? Week starting October the thirtieth. Um, I think after they play Plymouth at home before they go to Birmingham. So we shall see who we get. Um, right then, before we, we move on to Huddersfield and have a brief chat around that, Stu, I know it's slightly ridiculous because it's only just gone 3pm on Wednesday. Um, I want to talk about KOA Worldwide coming off the back of what we, we chatted about on the last show. Um, I realised, by the way, that I referred to 28% of the world listening to KOA, which obviously was factually accurate. I didn't name how many countries listen to KOA. Of the 195 countries in the world, <clears throat> 28% is 55 countries. Um, listening to KOA, that was the that was obviously one show which I took. I think was the last one last week. Me and you did together, Stu. Um, so I'd have to do a lot more research to find out the exact overall number that we ever had listens from. But from that one pod, fifty-five countries is a pretty good number, I'd say. Uh, I asked for for people to contact us from certain cities um, if they were indeed listening to them. I named a few, and we've heard from a few from the KOA uh, community worldwide. So I thought I'd name check them. Life is all about being part of a community, isn't it? That's what we do. That's what we're here for. And I think it's interesting to hear from other people uh, who are part of that community right the way across the world. So Johnny Halstein emailed. He works in Doha, in Qatar. So he's our listener in Doha. Peter McLeod, dear old Peter, Warsaw correspondent. He was our man in Tangier in Morocco last week. He said he was waiting for a cab at 3 a.m. in the rain on one of the main roads there. And we're keeping him company, keeping his spirits up. He's currently on a, a tour 11 countries in 14 days, which is taking in the Ryder Cup in Rome, Stewie, which he says he's not really that interested in, which is a travesty, Peter. Um, <clears throat> Ross Wishart, 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 Wishart. I don't know how really how to pronounce it. I never have known Ross. I do apologise. He was our man in Belgrade, so he's he's been in touch. We've also heard from Nikolai Webb over in South Orange, New Jersey, Sopranos country, um, who listens to the pod. Now then, I asked specifically for, for people in interesting places. One of those was Moscow. And we've heard from Steve Newman, who is our man in Moscow. And I just thought I'd read out. He sent me a lovely email. Um, obviously, he says, uh, difficult difficult times at the moment in Moscow, as you can imagine. He says, I'm able to claim scoring for town in Europe in a 3-2 loss against the fans of Torpedo Moscow prior to the main match when we had that incredible UEFA Cup run in 2001-2. Um, I, he got, it was a header from the corner. I rose, I'm assuming like a salmon. And apparently took it off the toe of Phil Ham, our friend Phil Ham, says he still hasn't let me forget about it. The goal even made it onto the local Russian news and the Anglian news too. He says I only managed to get to a few games a year, the last being Cardiff at home. Not sure when the next will be. So you're on the lads entertaining informative podcast. Make my journeys on the Moscow Metro so much more bearable. How mad's that, Stu? We've got a guy listening to us on the Moscow Metro, helping his journey to work. 
He says, AJ's been a cracking new signing. Who was that Warren chap? Yes. Like it, Steve. Like it, Steve. And the other place I asked for was Chesapeake, because I like the sound of it, in America. We've heard from Robert Corvin, who is our man in Chesapeake. He sent us a very nice email again. Um, I'll read out selected highlights again, because I think it's interesting. He, he points out that Chesapeake, or at least their Chesapeake, is in Virginia. I got that totally wrong. I said that was in Greater New York. It's in Virginia. Um he says, our interest in Ipswich Town FC and the KOA podcast began early this year. My family and I wanted to follow an AFL team from somewhere in the top three tiers of competition, and we landed on Ipswich. I wonder if that's because of the American link. KOA seemed like the best coverage of the team, and it certainly is. Correct, Robert. He says, the primary reason for choosing town is that our sole family connection to the UK rests within Suffolk. My wife's grandfather was from New York State, served as a, in the US Army at RAF Framlingham during World War II and lived with his family in Parham, always spoke fondly of the locals and visits to Framlingham and Ipswich. He, he passed away aged 100 at the age of, uh, in, in uh, 2020. And Robert says, we've yet to visit the UK, but when our family can make it, um, he understands there's a small museum at the former site of the airfield. We must pay a visit in his honour and, of course, attend a match at Portman Road. Both will be very emotional experiences for us. And hopefully, Robert, when you do get over, give us a shout and we'll, uh, we'll sort out a little meet-up with the KOA team. Um, he says it truly has been a bonus to become fans of town at such an exciting run in the team's history with promotion and the fantastic start in the championship. It is made all the better by listening to the great KOA coverage of the team each week as well. Lovely stuff, Stu. That is lovely stuff. I find that, I mean, we sit here in our bedrooms twice a week, normally waffle on about town. Sometimes we talk about TV and food and all Chris. sorts, Chris and all sorts of other nonsense. It's genuinely heartening. To, to get messages from people like that, to think that we've, <laughs> we're keeping someone company on the Moscow uh, Metro on their way to work or a family in Chesapeake, Virginia, or indeed dear old Peter by the side of the road in the rain at 3am in, in Morocco. Um, so do keep those messages coming. If you're, if you're a far flung listener, particularly I want to hear from the, our listener in Kiev in the Ukraine for obvious reasons, mark.heath at newsquest.co.uk or just uh, message me on Twitter. Lovely stuff though, isn't it, Stu? Our wives, Jim, always reminding us that no one cares what we think, but they do. Stick that yeah. in, your, in your pipe and smoke it, Mrs. Heath. I'll tell her, if she starts kicking off about me falling asleep on the train, I'll say, look, exactly. I'm a big deal in Moscow, all right? <laughs> yeah. So, a little bit of respect, please. Exactly. Um, yeah. They're fantastic, those emails. I love that. It's put a big smile on our faces hearing, hearing that. It's, it's um, We've met people from America, from Australia that, that listen. Um it's great. So really, yeah. it's, I just like, yeah, I like the community. I love football in general is all about community. And um, this podcast as well is, uh, there's nothing without everyone that listens. So that's great. Keep those messages coming. Yeah, it's really good to hear. Right, and Stu, let's finish then with Huddersfield this weekend. It, as I say, it's just gone 3pm on Wednesday, so it's slightly tenuous and vague and a bit silly to be talking about that on uh, on Saturday. But I guess... It, it, and I, I've yet really to sit down and look at Huddersfield. I will do when I write the, the Meet the Oppo breakdown. But the one thing I do know about Huddersfield already at the moment is they've got a new manager, Darren Moore. We know him. And they had a decent result in his first game on Monday, draw at Coventry. Um, I think a late equaliser there. I guess really, though, Stu, as much as we can talk about Huddersfield and Darren Moore, the main question is, is really going to be about town and, and particularly around what happens with Sam Morsey because he's obviously can't play. So who's going to replace him? Jack Taylor certainly put his hand up last night. Lee Evans as well. Um, how are you feeling about this one? 
what do you make of Darren Moore as, as going in at Huddersfield? And also that key question, what would you do midfield-wise? Yeah, I'm sure we'll hear they're not to be underestimated. Mm. Uh, we have to be humble. They've got some, you know, we'll hear all of that from the Ipswich Town camp, rightfully so. Um, but it, yeah, it is about what it, what Ipswich can do and the way they're playing and the way they're performing. Um, obviously managed to rest several players on, on Tuesday night. Um, be difficult to know exactly what Huddersfield are going to bring with a new manager. Uh, Darren Moore will have had a few days now to kind of really work with the team. I think he only had sort of 48 hours ahead of the, the Coventry game after replacing Neil Warnock. How different the principles will be, I don't know. I think Warnock was very, very man-to-man. Um, whether Moore's going to kind of change that a little bit, I don't know. We kind of know how his Sheffield Wednesday sides play in terms of being quite direct and physical, whether he's got the players at Huddersfield to, to replicate that, I'm not sure. Um, I looked at their team from the other night. Ben Wiles, I think, is a good signing. Ipswich might remember him being quite good for Rotherham when Rotherham were a thorn in Ipswich's side, a real sort mm. of tenacious midfielder. Um, comfortingly, Jonathan Hogg is still their captain. I can remember him still being there back when Ipswich were last in the championship. Um, Jack Redoni in midfield was was quite lively for AFC Wimbledon when they when they beat Ipswich towards the end of the Paul Cook reign. But if you can go to Southampton and win, and if you can match leads for for large parts of the game, if you can if you can beat Premier League Wolves with your with your second string, then. It goes without saying that the run-ups which are on at the moment. To go back to the very start of this pod, I did look that up. It's 23 wins from 26, if you if you include the Reading penalty shootout as a as a victory. Um, then with that sort of record, then quite frankly, it doesn't really matter who they who they play at the moment. The belief is so high. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? So who, who would you play though? We know Sam Wolsey can't, but says that there's going to be an opening alongside. You'd imagine Massimo Luongo. Who would you who do you reckon sits best alongside Mass? Yeah, I think that will be the only only change, uh, depending on how Leif Davis is. Of course, mm. he he went off, uh, limped off with that ankle uh, recurrence of the ankle problem um, last weekend. Uh, really tough one to call in central midfield because I think Jack Taylor offers more going forwards. Obviously, we've talked about his his goal. Mm. They've spent one and a half million pounds on him for a reason. Um, but I would say Lee Evans is the more natural replacement for Sam Morsi. I think they see Morsi is obviously playing this sort of deeper role now with, with Luongo giving a bit more freedom on the sort of left of those two to, to get forwards. Um, I think they see sort of Taylor as uh, the Luongo backup and Evans maybe is more of the Morsi backup that can mm. kind of sit deeper um, neither of them are t- as as tenacious as Sam Morsi, but um, I think Evans away from home is is a bit more of an insurance policy than than Taylor, and I think his range of passing could be quite crucial for this kind of rapid counter attacking style that Ipswich have been playing on the road. So um, tough on Jack Taylor after what he did on on Tuesday night, but um, I, I think it would be Lee Evans. Hmm. I'm not going to ask you for predictions to you because that seems. Uh... Little, little foolhardy, given as I say it's Wednesday and, and there's there's lots to happen before then. You've got Kieran to speak to tomorrow at the presser, so we'll share our predictions maybe later on in the week nearer the game. Um, anything else to mention before we take our leave today? 
Uh, any other business, Stu? Anything else you want to mention around what's going on at town or indeed anything else going on in your life? Uh, no other business, Mark. No, I don't think I've got much more for you today. Do you know why I'm a bit slightly annoyed about this this run of games, Stu? Midweek games particularly. Because the bloody Bake Off started again, hasn't it? I couldn't watch the Bake Off last night, first one, because town were playing. Really, really inconvenient. Um, big fan of the Bake Off, like slipping into the a quintessential English pair of slippers. Um, one of my favourite shows. Is that is that something that you get involved in? in <clears> yeah, I was quite late to the party on Bake Off. Um, yeah. and I, it's it's something I watch on my own as well. Never got never got is the it? wife into it. It's a slightly weird thing that I yeah, like you say, it's just comfort telly. We're getting into autumn season now, aren't we? I see yeah, there's a new series of the SAS. Yes. Featuring Matt run. Hancock. Yeah, yeah, I've seen some clips of that. That looks quite yeah. amusing. Him getting yeah. uh, berated. Um, shows like that that you can just yeah, just switch your brain off and uh, just just nice easy watches. I've been Absolutely. watching that. Have you seen that thing that was on? I think it's on Channel Four called Alone, where they dump a load of yes people in the wilderness in Canada. I've been uh, yeah. watching that at the moment. That's quite good. You want to? I know. Again, you're not a massive fan of American things, but the English version of Alone is incredibly tame compared to the American version. Because in the American yeah. version, they're proper trained survivalists. Right. So in the English version, you've got kind of people struggling to put a, like a, a shelter up and lasting 20 days before they understandably have something of a meltdown. Uh, in the American version, they're out there for months at a time, shooting bears and scrapping with like beavers and stuff like that. It's a, it's a really, really good watch. And they're all incredibly good shots because obviously hunting is a big thing in America, isn't it? With the old bow and arrow, it, that's it is tremendous. I've also, Stu, taken your advice on the a small light thing on uh, on Disney. We started watching. That's really good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, very much like a light and shade, don't we? Well, you know, Bake Off is the light. Small light is the shade. Thought provoking, absorbing stuff. Really well made stuff that you like to get into. Um, so thanks very much for that, um, friends. That brings us to the end of of another show. Uh, Ipswich Town continue to be on a frankly ridiculous run. Um, you just wonder where this is all going to end, friends. If it's going to end, when's it going to end? Where is it going to end? Um, the boys will be at Huddersfield this weekend. So obviously, if you are going to the game, enjoy it. If you're not, follow it all with them. Uh, I just remind you to support our sponsors. Use the code KO at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on all their excellent clobber. And also the boys at Ginger Pickle, Tony Southgate and his crew there. If you need help with your Google ads, your Google ranking, your digital advertising, SEO, all that kind of stuff that I don't really understand. I know Tony understands it very well and we'll talk for hours about it if you ask him and buy him a pint. So get involved with them at Ginger Pickle. And also, friends, if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that'd be tremendous because it just helps lift, lift visibility in the iTunes charts. And that just helps more people join the KA Army from around the world. As I say, do keep sending those emails in as well. We'd love to hear from everyone, um, wherever you are in the world. Good to hear from you. Right then, friends, it's just been me and Watson today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. The team will be back again next week to break down the Huddersfield game. So until then, have a great weekend. I will speak to you, friends, next time.